Hey everyone, this is Josh, and you're listening to episode 6 of the Graced with Questions podcast. This is actually part 2 of our conversation with Dr. Timothy Yoder from Dallas Theological Seminary, and we previously released part 1, so if you haven't gone and listened to that, I encourage you to do so. In part 1, we talked with Dr. Yoder about his background and his general approach to apologetics, and in this episode, we dive into a lot of the different arguments for God's existence. So hope you enjoy the conversation and on to the episode. We can go in a lot of different directions here. Um, is there is there a place that you certainly you, can? Is there a place that you like to start, or that maybe for you like speaks the most strongly in terms of you know these these different arguments or evidences? Yeah, there is, there is a there is a place that I that I like to start. Um, <clears throat> Uh, there are um, there are four four philosophical principles, um, and it's just starting to sound like a philosophy class, mm-hmm. and I, I won't make it. I won't turn it into that. But but um, but a lot of times, uh, atheists and those that don't believe in God, particularly Darwinists, will say, "Well, you know, Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation is best, and we don't multiply entities in um, in our explanations, and so we don't really need God. We can explain the world." through natural selection. And so we just take out Occam's razor and we just mm-hmm. <laughs> shave God right out of the, the equation. Yeah. And, um, and so people use Occam's razor and there's another, there was a, a 19th century philosopher named uh, W.K. Clifford who, who said that it's wrong for anybody anywhere at any time to believe something without sufficient evidence. And so mm-hmm. he thought that, that we needed to have imp- and he was thinking empirical evidence that we needed to have empirical evidence for all of our assertions, and so these principles are frequently used to uh, to support um, a, a materialistic, a non-theistic perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to um, to counter by using another philosophical principle called the principle of sufficient reason, and uh, the principle of sufficient reason says that whatever exists demands an explanation that's a that's a, a simplified version of, of the, mm-hmm. the the psr um the print uh whatever exists demands an explanation and we use this all the time you know when you when you hear a noise in the middle of the night right well what's making it you know is it uh you know is it the neighbors having a party is it a is it a, a squirrel on the roof is mm-hmm. it a burglar trying to get in and you know and you you lay awake trying to figure it out you know uh it's what drives scientists to to find all kinds of answers right. you know why does the sky appear blue and you know and, and uh why are we having more extreme weather these days and you know what caused coronavirus and mm-hmm. we we you know whatever exists demands an explanation and we, we go looking for it in every discipline and um and so because we live in a world in which uh things that um, are present to us um, yield explanations. Now, there are some things that are that are unexplained, but for the most part, we live in a world in which we can find deep and meaningful answers, mm-hmm. scientifically, philosophically, um, and so on, uh, psychologically, for the things that we that we discover. And so, uh, the principle of sufficient reason leads us to look very hard at the things that we observe, and I think. Um, we combine that with what philosophers call the inference to the best explanation. We failing to develop a proof, then we 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 
the next kind of step down is, well, what makes the best sense of all the data? What's the, yeah. what's the best kind of preliminary sort of, of or, or non-proven conclusion? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's called the IBE, the inference to the best explanation. It's also called abductive reasoning. So, mm, okay. uh, and taking those two together, the, the principle of sufficient reason and the inference to the best explanation, I think that we discover that there are a ton of things in our world that are really hard to explain on a naturalist, materialist worldview, yeah. but are very, very well explained on a theistic worldview. And it, yeah. uh, just a couple of examples, mm -hmm. like, for instance, the beginning of life. Uh, how did how did life begin um, on a on a naturalistic explanation? Um, right, matter doesn't isn't isn't alive, you know, uh, the, the chemicals and, and, and all those, sort, you know, the, the planets, the stars, none of those things, those things are, are non-living entities, mm -hmm. right? All of those things don't don't live. And yet all of a sudden, some somewhere there is a, a living cell, an organism that continues to to evolve and mutate until it becomes all the biological diversity that we see in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, where did that, how did that non-living thing become a living thing? The question of biogenesis. Right, right. Yeah, and, and it's a really hard question to answer. Yeah, e even in an evolutionary framework, right? Like the, the beginning still still requires some kind the, of explanation. In Richard Dawkins' book, um, he he uh, the God delusion. He raises that question, and then he says, "Well, we still don't really know." But the good news is, it only had to happen once. <laughs> well, that's that's not really an explanation, right? Yeah. That's that's not mm -hmm. really uh, that's not really very satisfactory. Yeah. Um, but on a on a Christian worldview or a theistic worldview, it's it's simple to answer. God always existed. He's not caused. He simply is, and he's 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 alive, and he can bestow life on the the things of uh, that he creates. Yeah, yeah. And I I just think that that's a a better, more elegant, more satis more intellectually satisfying answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh, and we can continue with a number of things. I think there's probably at least a half a dozen or more things that you could analyze in just that way. Human consciousness, mm -hmm. um, right. our appreciation of beauty, mm -hmm. human morality, yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's those things, like especially the things in the our internal experience that we, you know, we have to. That you know, in my opinion, that we all believe are real. You know, you know, justice and mm -hmm. morality, just you know, of varying kinds, but but some kind of morality, uh, love, and just and even just the reality of persons. You know, mm -hmm. um, above just being sacks of cells, uh, sacks of matter. Right. It's, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think that's just so necessary, and everyone lives like that. You know, everyone assumes everyone has to treat, mm -hmm. you know, these things as real. Um, but we often don't stop to think about, well, you know, how does, how do they become real in a, in a framework that is, is purely materialist? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. To, to me, I think that's, that's pretty powerful. And there's, a, there's another interesting aspect that there's, there's a couple of inter interesting aspects of this. Um, first of all, um, every, every worldview that I'm aware of, whether it's a, a religious worldview, you know, like Christianity or or, or Buddhism or or Islam, mm -hmm. or a, you know, or a, a non-religious worldview, a philosophical worldview like Platonism or Aristotelianism or or Marxism or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, Darwinism. Um, 
every worldview that I'm aware of believes that there is something that just is. There's something that is eternal. There's something that is uncaused and simply mm-hmm. is. Right. I'm the, I, there are there are a few people out there that have tried to argue that that from the the, the nothingness of <laughs> emerges something, but that really turns the nothingness into something. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how they actually talk a lot of times. That the nothing isn't just a, a void, an empty, an empty uh, vacuum of nothing, but but actually is something. <laughs> the nothing becomes a capitalized N. It's yeah. it's it's a the the no thing is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because it's really we logically, scientifically, philosophically, we just don't get something from nothing. So there's got to be something. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, what is the nature of that something that exists? You can have matter, unliving, um, uh, unconscious, uh, you know, undifferentiated matter, mm-hmm. or you can have an eternal um, living uh, being with intelligence and power. I don't think there's any question that the, that the second is a much more satisfactory answer, um, unless... You just don't want there to be a God, unless you just don't want to be beholden to uh, uh, an eternal being who is the judge of all. And I get that. Some people say that. Thomas Nagel, who's a very prominent philosopher, mm-hmm. says, I don't believe in a God. And the reason is, is that I don't, I don't want there to be a God. I want to I do my own thing. I want to be my own person. I, want to, I don't want to have to obey or submit uh, or worship um, something else. Yeah, but then that's yeah. that's a genuine that's a choice, a conscious choice, um, and uh, in some sense, we're not really doing philosophy anymore. Yeah, or, or we've reached like the pre-rational kind of areas of of our belief system that that mm-hmm. are are no longer you know uh, under under the scrutiny of logic. Um, it just kind of is how we are at the very deep in our being. Um, I, I think. I wonder if for some people it's a choice, but, but from another, you know, standpoint, like our society is just so default materialist, I think, you know, like, yes. I, and I feel this, I'll be honest, like, I feel this too, you know, when I have doubts, mm-hmm. it's so often from, well, why isn't there just matter, you know, that just seems to be just such, like the default answer in our society, and it takes mm-hmm. work then to to get from there to say, okay, wait, no, but, but things like, you know, justice and love or, you know, these things that, that don't fit that I need to remind myself of that and, and kind of pull myself back. But, but I do think that is the experience for, for a lot of people now, you know, that's a very, that's a very uh, cogent comment, Josh. I mean, that's really, that's really uh, good because I, there is this, because we live in such a scientific uh, uh, time and uh, I think that our, we're so naturally inclined to look for empirical evidence mm-hmm. and, and appreciate that. And, that. and you're right, it does lead naturally to a kind of empiricism. The idea that, that Occam's razor, that this is the simplest answer, does seem to make sense until we run into all those difficulties of trying to explain things that that really are not naturally material, like love and justice mm-hmm. and, and consciousness and and beauty and uh and 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 those those sorts of things and that are really hard to account for on purely 
empirical grounds. Right. And that, that forces us to jump into the, the realm of, of there really being something that is spiritual. And I think that when we have to make that move, then that then actually Occam's razor um, goes the other way, and and it turns out that that theism is actually the the simplest answer because it explains so much more of the prevalent questions that we need answering. Yeah, and so in in that way, it actually becomes the simplest answer. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's been my experience as well. Um, in in the moments of doubt, like it, it has been that that kind of move that that has kind of kept me grounded. So Dr. Yoda, I love what you and Joshua were sharing. Uh, I know your background was also, you know, your PhD was in the philosophy piece of it. And I know in our conversations, um, even offline, you were sharing about some, some new evidence around the philosophical argument pieces that are pretty solid arguments right now. Um, and I'm sure you'll be teaching them in our seminary courses here. Can you expound on that a little bit about the new arguments that exist philosophically? Well, one of the, one of the new ones is, uh, is actually not super new, but has been revived and much discussed. And that is the, uh, the Kalam uh, cosmological argument. Uh, it's a, uh, associated with William Lane Craig, uh, who is one of the brightest um, and most important uh, Christian philosophers around. And uh, it actually, the word Kalam is an Arabic word. It goes, it goes back to the Muslim tradition of, the, uh, of, of medieval Muslims thinking about God and, and making arguments. But it, it has new impetus today, given some of, the, some of the scientific realities of the 20th and 21st century. The Kalam argument uh, is is pretty straightforward. It says whatever begins to exist um, is caused. Whatever begins to exist is caused, and that mm. that seems to make a lot of very um, very great common sense, right? Everything yeah. around us yeah. that begins to exist, right? This podcast began to exist. It has a cause. Grace pushed the play button or the the record button, right? And or <laughs> yeah. or the house began to exist because the builders, you know, made the foundation. You know, or the the pizza began to exist because you know we the, we made it. You know, and uh, whatever begins to exist has uh, has a cause. Well, you know, contemporary Big Bang theory. The universe began to exist, right? There was a, there was, as they call the singularity, and and uh, and the universe came into existence with a series of, of, um, you know, causal actions, and so, so if the universe began to exist and everything that began to exist has a cause, then the universe has a cause, and mm. and the cause is is something external to it, which would, you know, which would have to be some kind of divine figure, and um, so uh, so so this argument is again it's it's relatively straightforward it's a simple syllogism and yeah. and the, the first two premises of it seem to be pretty solid and uh and, and and clearly in line with our experience of the world uh scientifically and and then and even in an everyday sense and an epistemological sense so it seems like a very solid argument yeah you know i um i know many apologists would also say that it is important for the arguments, and I'm sure you agree with this, to be um, also relevant to our our existence, to our now, to our reality. 
Um, so I think sometimes when we talk about some of these arguments, they seem so distant to the average person. They seem like, right. well, how does this relate to my now? Like, like, right. How does this relate to my current existence? And I feel like that argument makes like really logical sense just from hearing it and, and, and um, hearing you talk about it as well. Yes. And then another interesting thing about it is that um, because we, we specify that we're talking about things that begin to exist, um, God himself doesn't begin to exist. So the, the argument doesn't necessarily turn around and say, well, well, what caused God? Richard Dawkins asks that yeah. question. You know, well, you all, you all believe in cosmo cosmological arguments. You know, everything has to be caused by something. Well, what caused God? And, um, and actually, theologically, the answer is, well, nothing. God is, God is simply the one who is. God is an uncaused eternal being. I think that's the, I think that's what uh, Yahweh is, is, is saying to Moses at, at, at the burning bush. I am that I am. I, I am the self-existent one. Uh, I, I, my, my, my essence is simply to be. That's how Thomas Aquinas understands that. And I, I think he has a good point. Um, yeah. So, so God simply is. So, so God is not caused, but, but, but the universe, which began to exist, did. It, it's, ca it's caused. It's caused by God. Yeah. That is so good. Josh, I'm like, I'm in it. So this yeah, I, I, I totally forgot about the who caused God objection. Yeah. But like that, that makes, you know, that makes perfect sense that's, that you would ask that. And that's something that a kid would ask too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, yeah, it makes it stronger to frame the argument this way. Um, and that kind of, so sorry, Josh, I'm, 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 I'm wondering, like, where does the argument really, ever, does it ever end, right? Because you know, you see it on social media all the time, people debating some of these things and, you know, who created God and, and so forth and so on and so on. It's like, okay, where does, you know, I know this is maybe I'm jumping the gun on this a little bit, but it's like, where does evidence and fate collide, right, in the conversation and, and asking the question of, you know, who created God? Um, and, and I guess where does our own inability to not even want to believe in the first place, even if the evidence point that direction, right? And I think that's, I'm always kind of wrestling with that with people. It's like, okay, where does it end? Does it, you know, does it, I mean, does it ever end? Well, I think you're, I think you're right, uh, Grace. And I think that's a, that's a very good point. We, you know, the, 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 uh, there is no end to the, the philosophical arguments, you know, the, the two sides can keep, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it can get kind of kind of wearying after a while. Um, but it, at some point, we do. I think individual person has to 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 come to a conclusion. What what do you think, um, especially about a, an issue as important as God? I mean, if God exists and He is, um, you know, the the creator of all and the 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 judge and the revealer of all, and He's He's the um, you know the one that that rules and governs, then 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 we need to, well, we need to make some sense of him. We need to, you know, we need to worship and we need to obey and we need to take care uh, to avoid judgment. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think that, I think that's where, that's where faith comes. We mm -hmm. have, with, I should say, where faith comes into the picture, right? Do we have enough, uh, enough um, evidence to believe? And what, what does it even mean to believe? Um oh. 
a lot of people think that belief is just a kind of irrational thing. Well, we don't really know, so we just, you know, just take this 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 giant leap, uh, you know, off of a bridge and and believe. But mm-hmm. but I think that that's a a really, um, I mean, I think that's a really poor understanding of what faith is. There are lots lots of examples of faith, and I would, in fact, I would say that that most examples of faith <clears throat> are ones that are are quite rational. You know, when we get in the car and, and turn the key, we expect it to start. Now, sometimes they don't, but but we expect it to start. And, and most times it does. When we ride an elevator, we mm-hmm. expect it to take us up and down the floors, you know, safely. When we ride in an airplane, we expect it to take off and land and, and to take it, get us to our place without instant. And many of the times it does because because the technology is 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 solid. And so those are examples of faith that is meaningful, rational, um, responsible, reasonable. There is blind faith. You know, if, if somebody believes that that because they tape some wings to their arms and then jump off a t- tall building, they're going to fly like a bird. That's not going to end so well. Right. Um, yeah. Because because so there are there are bad examples of faith, but there are good, reasonable, responsible um actions are actions of faith too and i think that believing in god is one of those reasonable actions of faith because we have a lot of philosophical historical even scientific not to mention theological evidence to support it mm-hmm. so i don't think that that christians who or christians or jews or muslims whoever believes in god are doing it in a um irresponsible, unscientific, unphilosophical way, um, I think that they actually have a mountain of evidence to support the, the, the belief position. So good. Yeah. Josh, to, I, know, I know you had a question before I jumped in there. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the back and forth, um, so are there any kind of objections that people pose to the Kalam cosmological argument? Yes. Um, they, they try to attack... Um, both the premises uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, uh, William Lynn Craig does a, does a, an outstanding job of defending this in a number of his books. The, the Probably the fullest and most detailed is in his book called A Reasonable Faith. It's his apologetics uh, kind of textbook. And, um, and he gets into a ton of detail about physics and time and all mm. kinds of fascinating and difficult things that that we could we could never try to replicate in a, in a podcast um, yeah. without putting everybody to sleep <laughs> but um, but there are some objections um, you know what does it mean to, to, to have a beginning and and, uh, mm. and 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 is there anything that couldn't be caused that didn't have a beginning and and, and and other sorts of things but I think taken on its on its face um, the argument is is really is really I think pretty solid. And of course, the other thing is, is that, you know, even if, if that argument isn't persuasive or something like that, we have a, a lot more, you know, we, we can argue from the existence of, of morality in the world and where, what's the source of morality. We can argue from, from the fine tuning that we see in, in science. Um, we can argue from, uh, from, from religious experiences uh, uh, and, and, uh, and a host of other directions. That's, that's again, why I think that, an evidentialist position is the best because we can we can begin the conversation in lots of lots of places and uh and i think that god um god is a natural conclusion to many many kinds of argumentation 
Grace, do you think we should move on to some of those other yeah, areas? Yeah. Um, well, I'm I personally am interested in um, in history, um, to, and I was wondering if there are any particular places you would start if for someone who's interested in. Well, how can you use history to talk about the question of whether God exists? Is that something that that we can do? Yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I think the first thing that that I would want to say is um, is is historically we know that nearly every people group, society, culture, race, ethnicity, country, tribe, whatever word we want to use, almost all of them um, believe in some kind of divine or transcendent being. There's a there's maybe a couple of examples if we think about. Um, you know the the French encyclopedists of the uh, of the of the French Revolution era, or contemporary Darwinists, or um, you know, but but nearly nearly everybody from the earliest beginnings of recorded history up till today believes in some kind of God. Now that doesn't mean that just because everybody believes it that it's true. That that's yeah. a logical fallacy that that I you mm -hmm. know that that I teach and I you know the the the, the appeal to majority, but but. Um, so I'm not saying that it's true just because everybody believes it, but the fact that that so many people believe, I think, is one of those questions. Well, what accounts for that? Um, because they're not all the same uh, persons. They're not all. Or they're, not, they're not all the same religion. They're not all the same culture. They're not. You know, some of these groups have very little in common with 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 uh, other groups. And so, um, why is it that everybody believes in God? Or, or at least believes in a god or something like like a god figure, mm -hmm. and and um and so I I think that 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 some of the best answers to that are that there is um is that the the god who is has revealed himself through creation that the mm -hmm. god who is reveals himself um uh, you know puts in the the world as it were knowledge of him to be discovered we know we know that this is we know this from a scientific perspective right scientists you know study the world and they think through the different various uh, ideas and they you know they come up with scientific principles you know uh, newton and the principles of physics and, and other sorts of things we we discover scientific laws well mm -hmm. i think in an, in an analogous way there are um spiritual truths that are discoverable in the world and one of them is that that God exists. John Calvin believes that each one of us have what he calls a sensus divinitatis, mm -hmm. a, a, a kind of an innate sense that there is mm -hmm. God. Yeah. And, and, and part of the reason that we have that is because of the beauty of creation and the awesome world in which we live in and the, the vast uh, um, canopy of the, of the universe that fills us with awe and, and helps us to see that there's something bigger than we are, and um, and this 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 um, impression that we have is what helps us to see that there is a God. So that combines some some history with uh, with probably maybe even some psychology. Yeah, it's it almost sounds like a, an argument from the religious experience of everyone in the whole world, or almost everyone in the whole world, right? mm -hmm. kind of like that. Yeah. Which is a which is a pretty I think strong evidence and and I was reading this book and and I you know I'm a big fan of I don't know Dr. Yoda you know if you've heard of um, Abdul Murray 
And um, mm, but no. he, he made a comment um, in his book, Saving Truth. Um, he made a comment that, you know, uh, there was some, some, some you know, sh- um, quotes from atheists about why they don't even believe, even if the evidence is pointing to it. And, and one of the responses that I read was, you know, I, I simply want to do what I want to do. You know, I I want to be able to indulge in all of my desires um, as I choose it to be, and I don't want to be restricted um, to um, to rules or, or or to this this God um, to tell me how to live my life. And so, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. But um, there are some questions that we definitely have towards the end that I think may help us get there. But I thought that was an interesting statement. I'm talking about um, some of that as well. Well, that's that's one of the the implications of this belief, right? If if we if we do, as Calvin says, have this this awe and wonder at something that is immense and great, and it points us to a God who is eternal and powerful and uh, the creator of all, then there is something bigger than us, and and therefore, and I don't mean big in a in a um, physical sense, but big in, in every sense, right? Bigger, bigger than us metaphysically, and, and so on. Then, then there's then naturally we uh we we have to submit or or worship or or at least acknowledge this this being. And and some people don't want to do that, right? Some people just don't want to 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 imagine anything bigger than than who they are, but. But that's not really a refutation of the idea. That's just a decision that I'm not yeah. going to to believe in it. Mm, yeah, we have some some good questions. Uh, a, a couple um, towards the end, Dr. Yura, mm-hmm. we'd love to hear your thoughts on. So, um, Josh, coming back to some of the arguments, um, which one um, else do we want to emphasize on? Well, I was going to say on, on first on the history stuff. Like, I think it's. I'm thinking about my own experience and I think it's helpful for me um, kind of relating to what I said about materialism before where um, the, the census divinitatis in a, in a society like ours, where it's, where it's being challenged, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it can start to feel like, well, is it really there or not? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think one thing that I have, I've yet to explore, but I want to is, you know, it, it, for some reason or another, it, it seems like spiritual warfare um, or like healing and that kind of stuff happens more in other places or other cultures. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen mm. here either, but just empirically, in my experience, it seems like, you know, missionaries come back and say, hey, this is no, this is really happening. You know, people are getting visions of Jesus. People are being yeah. healed. Um, there's real spiritual warfare, casting out demons and stuff like that. And um and I think that's an avenue to kind of explore like, well, you know, I, I don't want to make you know America the whole world. You know, I don't want to make my experience of my society, the entire world. There are people out there who are saying mm-hmm. they're experiencing this. And I want to hear, you know, mm-hmm. what, what they have experienced and see if, if that can show, um, or at least point to there being something more. So, um, that's, that's something I want to explore. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Josh, I think you're right. I think that we do we do get a sense that these um, spiritual encounters seem to happen in other parts of the world and not here. And we we know that 
that in the Bible Jesus talks about the faith or the fact that 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 people without faith um, it impacts you know the doing of miracles mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so maybe because our culture our American culture our Western culture is is generally speaking so secular um, the the, uh, the the faith groundwork is not present for those but in other places and and one of the important places is in a in in majority muslim uh areas uh mm-hmm. these are the i mean there is there isn't really any question that that muslims are having dreams about jesus and they're having visions and and jesus is speaking to them in their dreams and and that seems like a wild thing yeah but it's well documented and um and so and a, a lot of muslims are becoming christians because they're encountering jesus in their dreams yeah and uh you know that 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 typically doesn't happen um, in 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 American settings, but but it is happening in in a lot of Muslim settings throughout the Muslim mm. world. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Josh. There's I, someone. No, here. I just, I just remember um, the reading through the book, um, seeking Allah, finding Jesus. Yeah. And where you know dreams played a big part in in that book as well. Yeah. And of you know my own struggle to be like, well. He's saying he experienced this, but it, it does seem so wild, you know. But mm-hmm. like, but he's saying he experienced it, and mm-hmm. and many people are, and that's just. Yeah, and of course, uh, Nabil Qureshi—that's the the book you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was he's a he was a doctor. I mean, he was trained as a medical doctor. He was yep. well educated, and um, his family was, I think, Pakistani, but they were Pakistani Americans. They grew up mm-hmm. in this, in right. the, you know, and so he's not. Right. Uh, he's not unaware of the empirical mindset that's that's part of the West and part yeah. of the twenty first century. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that book yeah. was so powerful. It's I'm a great book. Hear, it's a great it, book. It's yeah. a fantastic book, and and I think I was expressing this to another person the other day that you know I grew up, um, and Josh knows, and Dr. Yoda, you know this as well. I don't know if I mentioned this. I grew up in Ghana, part of my life, right, mm-hmm. and. And for us, in you know, at least in the African context, um, diasporally, people just naturally believe in the supernatural. It it is, mm-hmm. it is whether they are associating that with um, Christ- Christianity or other things. Which obviously, one of the largest growing Christian faith is has has been is historically also Sub-Saharan Africa, um, West Africa, and so and even the East. Uh, and so people really. I think for them to to I grew up seeing things that to the average human being you would think mm, this is weird but mm-hmm. but particularly let's just be clear the west it's weird because <laughs> when I talk to friends from even other uh, other spaces because we know even um in other religions sometimes people people tend to m- mix kind of uh, you know, not uh, I guess witchcraft and other things into their fate, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, and they experience some, you know, and even Americans experience now. We are there's this whole universalism and spiritualism that people are doing all kinds of stuff, you know, with their fate. But I think it's powerful when, at least growing up for me, uh, to truly have have said i can i can truly say i have seen miracles um things that would have been impossible to uh really you know the human mind and and i have a quick story here but my dad you know had a a close friend growing up and 
they were actually at a funeral for this friend, one of his close guy friends who had passed away unexpectedly. And this guy probably had been in the freezer probably maybe like two days or so. Um, they were at the funeral getting ready to bury this person. People are crying. People are mourning. We hear the story all the time. And literally the ceremony is happening. And, you know, at this point, the, the body wasn't exposed to, it was not exposed to everyone. It was, I think they had it somewhere in different, a different space. And here comes this man. Okay. Wow. This man who was dead. Wow. From, who was in the refrigerator for a couple <laughs> of days. They were getting ready to bury this man. And here comes, and he was a, he's a believer. And here comes this man. Wow. And they said the they said the whole place. I mean, even believers and believers are like everybody scattered. People ran, sure, because they were like, "What? What is happening here?" And so my dad got to see that um, early on in, in in his faith walk. Um, and I thought, my God, I mean that is. I mean, this is the kind of stories that you know I grew up hearing, but also mm-hmm. some of the things that I got to see. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful and, and a testament to, to the Lord and, and to Christ. And so this guy who came back from the dead got to share about the way, you know, he had an experience going to heaven and meeting Christ and all of wow. that stuff. And he talks about hell is real and, and heaven wow. is real. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it was powerful. Um, and, and yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Well, you know, uh, Grace, it's interesting thinking about the, uh, well, first of all, it's, it's a great story. Um, secondly, but from a, from the kind of perspective of, of worldview discussions and the, the principle sufficient reason that I was talking about earlier. So, so a Christian worldview in which we believe that there is a spiritual reality, that there is a God who mm-hmm. is who is transcendent over the world, but we also believe in the things of this world. Right? We can account for a story like that. We can say that that yes, typically dead people stay dead, but but <laughs> God can God can raise them from the dead, and miracles can happen. And God is in charge of the universe, and if He wants to interrupt the natural order of things to do something from time to time, that's entirely within His prerogative. Mm-hmm. And, but we also believe in science and we believe in the natural course of things. And we believe that, you know, when you get sick, you should take medicine and, and doctors can perform well-established surgical techniques to, to heal. And, you know, and technology is not yeah. ma- magic and, and we can believe in those and we don't have to deny one or the other, mm-hmm. but in a materialistic mm-hmm. kind of Darwinistic worldview, they want to, they have to say, well, everything is scientific in nature. And so when we get those miracle stories, they just, they have to say, well, that's just, it's just crazy. It's, well, they just deny it. It's, it's, they, they, you know, there's no, there's no accounting for that. Yeah. Um, and so, so interestingly, a Christian worldview is, is actually a lot more expansive um, in, in the sense that we can, we, we, we don't have to reject science and scientific things, but no. we also can give an explanation for the uh, the the uh, the the miraculous, the supernatural. It's part. Mm-hmm. It, it fits into our worldview, and in and in that way, that's why I think that that ironically, even though most people believe that Occam's razor supports the you know, the, the naturalistic worldview, where we're cutting God right out of the picture, I think that the proper use of Occam's razor is to actually say that a theistic worldview is 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 actually the simplest because we can account for these sorts of things naturally and as a, as a as a just a 
uh, obvious implication of our worldview. Yes, miracles can happen. Um, and that's and that's fine. Not we don't have to believe in every miracle. Sometimes some of yeah. them are, are lies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we can we can assert that without without difficulty. Yeah. Oh, well, God. Yeah, I mean, I I love that. I think sometimes we feel like we have to choose, um, mm-hmm. but it, I think it's it's limiting of our own understanding, right? Like I I love the power of science, meaning you know where we've come, and and somebody mm-hmm. who was trained in public health, like I love the power of of data and what data tells us, but also yep. the reality of that data when we are able to um you know come up with you know medicines and and, and things to help our population but a function mm-hmm. but i think that is the sovereignty of god right mm-hmm. that is that is the majesty of god to give us you know the the, the unveiling of, of 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 some of those discovery uh, so I, yeah i think it's it it is limiting to think um that god does not come or express himself through the the beauty of science uh, if we believe that if we believe that god reveals himself both through creation, um, what people call general revelation, and through the, the Bible, what people call special revelation, then we can affirm the fact that that all of these truths are are part of a Christian worldview. So the science and the history and the mathematics and and all of those things that that's that's all true. It rests on God's revelation through creation and and the, and the things that we believe about about Jesus and and the theological teachings. That that's true as well. All truth is God's truth. That's that goes back to to uh, to Augustine in the fifth century, mm. and I think it's um, it's a very uh, I think it's a very freeing mentality that allows us to to explore the world theologically, religiously, spiritually, but also scientifically, historically, mathematically, and with the with the hope and the goal that that it's all going to fit together in a cohesive worldview. Mm. And and that's what that's what that's what excites me, right? That we can put this all together. So we can take um physics and medicine and and uh and calculus and and chemistry and all these things and and fit it together with our belief in the scriptures and um and we can do ethics and apologetics and it's all under the big umbrella of of a of a Christian worldview. Mm. Yeah. That's that's really beautiful. I think it it really does change everything in terms of like how we perceive. You know, if we start from a a point of view of like, well, everything is just material, then then a lot of these fields become very cold. You know, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. just mechanical, and you know, it, may, it might be interesting, but um, I think with with the belief, with the knowledge that there's a creator God who ties all these things together. I think that's what you're helping me see by what you just said, um, mm-hmm. or helping me re- rethink about, because I, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but um, that there's actually marks of the creator and, and beauty in all those things, even yeah. the most boring uh, science or mm-hmm. math. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But we can find you know something about 
God in that. And something, you know, be, and because of that, something that, that resonates very deeply with, with us who are made in the image of God. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah. And so um, now I think we, one thing that we wanted to touch on and so, so Dr. Yoda, we, we are living in, I think, a more, because of, of our, our ability to have this global internet and, 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 and I think we have more access to knowledge more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, you know, it's, it's one of those pieces where I, um, I want to understand this a little bit better because I am hearing this a lot on social media, just, just also to friends and, um, I mean, different, a lot of different conversations and, you know, one thing that comes up that I, that I hear a lot is, you know, uh, that the universe is God, you know, people oh, use okay. the word, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the universe, and, and it's interesting because that goes back to the argument about the universe was created, right? It, it came about, um, it didn't create itself. And so, you know, what do we say about, you know, can the universe be God? It, 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 and I think people are trying to search the truth, but trying not to attach anything to that specific truth or, or the specific evidence that has been provided. What would you say to that? Okay, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, so <clears throat> if the universe is God, um, then, then, then I think one of the, uh, the uh, natural implications of that is that, is that God is impersonal, right? That God is, is, um, is, not, uh, is not a being that, that communicates or speaks, but he is just, he's, he's just another way of saying the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so now the world is bigger than us. It's, it, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's great and awesome. And so, you know, it's, people talk about mother nature or, or, you know, those sorts of things that, that right. we just, we, we're, we're under the, the, uh, the rulership, but it's not, it's not a personal being. So there, there isn't any appealing, right? So there's, you can't really pray uh, or, or anything like that, or expect um, messages or communication um, because God is, if God is just the universe, then God is impersonal. And if, if that's the, what it is, then, then frankly, we've, we've lost some really, some of the, some of the best and most significant aspects of a religious perspective. One of the things that gives us great um, hope and, uh, and meaning is the fact that God reveals to us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, in the, because he is because he is other than the world in in fact the world is is his first act he created um and of course in a christian perspective we believe that that god is a trinity that there's father son and spirit and uh-huh. one of the one of the one of the implications of the the trinitarian doctrine is that is that god is love and god is genuine love because mm-hmm. The father loves the son and the son loves the spirit and the spirit loves the father. Mm. People sometimes ask, this goes all the way back to Augustine too. They say, well, what was God doing before he created the world? Um, you know, what was he just, you know, playing video games or what, what was he doing? And, uh, and, and the, the answer that, that the best answer is 
the father was loving the son the son was loving the father the spirit was mm -hmm. loving the, the you know the son and and because because there is a, a community of love there is mm -hmm. one god that exists in three persons now there's a lot of mystery in the trinity we don't we don't need to get into a whole whole scale trinitarian discussion yeah. but but that perspective of a god who is personal enough that he that he loves that there is love within the members of the godhead and 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 community and community that leads to revelation we mm. have a god that that speaks and he speaks a lot right the, the bible is a big book and of course all of that that god speaks to us through creation so the idea that that god is equated with creation a kind of pantheism is um is a is a perspective that that I just don't I don't find very very intellectually satisfying. It it really deprives us of most of of what we would come to to love and expect from the idea of God that He answers our prayers, that He reveals to us truths that we need to know, that He is the example of love. Um, mm -hmm. These powerful ideas only can arise if if we distinguish God from the creation and set Him ab above it as yeah. as transcendent mm. yeah not, not to mention all the the problem of evil kind of stuff as well, well that exactly, kind of gets yes. implied with with pantheism too that's a good that's a good thought right if 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 god is the creation then 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 the evil in the world the suffering the, the fallenness of the world has to be uh kind of uh, imputed to god as well and, and that, yeah that yeah. creates a lot of issues i wonder if the appeal of because I think Grace is right, like the kind of vaguely, yeah, I'm not saying this is like very rigorous philosophy, but um, kind of vaguely pantheistic thought that that seems kind of prevalent these days, even things like, you know, Star Wars or other kinds of media. Um, mm -hmm. I wonder if Avatar. the Avatar. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wonder if the appeal of that is that, because um, I think most people who, who hold to that would actually kind of also sneak in a little bit of like, well, but things will also work out for the better, you know, like yeah. it's, a, it's a benevolent yeah. kind of pantheism yeah. um, that, that we can still, you know, maybe we can still pray to it or like we can put our wishes out there into the universe and, and things will work out. And I, I wonder if, you know, I, I, on one hand, I think that shows our need for, for a personal God. Mm -hmm. um on the other hand I, i'm wondering like why why do people go there and maybe one thought i had was perhaps we have per, perhaps the, right now um the vision that people see of how how god has been portrayed by um by some christians is is not universal enough you know maybe mm. maybe it seems like when people look at christians it's like oh well that's your god or this is the god of america or this is the god yeah. of whatever mm -hmm. and but like you said, like there, there should be this kind of this universal aspect of God is love. You know, God is the example of love um, that that everyone can resonate with. That that should speak to everyone. That should be, you know, um, that everyone can should be able to relate to. And I wonder if maybe um, something of that has been lost or not communicated properly. That that then drives people to want to seek something that that feels more universal. That, that's just a, a thought I don't know if that's no you have a, you have a lot of good thoughts there Josh I think you're right I think that that the attraction of pantheism is I I, I would put it this way um 
right? The universe is beautiful, right? There's something about, mm. about the things that we see, whether it's, you know, the stars above or the majesty of a mountain or the, the beauties of, 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 you know, animals, birds and birds and insects. And, and, mm. you know, just there's immense beauty and it's, it, it does fill us with wonder. And of course, if we, if we are filled with, with wonder and awe, well, then maybe that's what God is. And so mm. it's, it's here and we just we just naturally equate it with God, but but you're right. If if we want to try to 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 make that pantheism into a kind of benevolent pantheism that that can can answer prayers or be providential in 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 um, for our good, well mm-hmm. then then we're 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 taking that notion and we're kind of forcing it to do things that it's not well equipped to do. And in, mm-hmm. and in fact, the more that we make that pantheism try to be, you know, the, the, the good, the good God that answers prayers and defeats evil and other sorts of things um, where it, it, I don't think it's it's going to work very well. It's it's not it's not rigorously thought out. And it's going to it's if when, when we do rigorously anal- analyze it, I think we're going to come up with a kind of um, personal God who is who is distinct from creation. Yeah. 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 I feel like, you know, it's, it's very much. So there's a lot of, we are creating gods in our own image. You know, Mm. Um, I think I heard Tim Keller said, you know, if your God does not challenge you, then it's not God. (laughs) You know, it it, it, it is, it is the ideal version of you uh, being manifested. (laughs) um, That's good. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's interesting. And, And I think, you know, I love what Josh said about that too, because I, I think sometimes you know we get lost, especially in the West. Sometimes, and even historically, I think the church hasn't done a good job of teaching. Um, obviously, seminary students are seminary students, but I think for the for the for the, the local church here, um, I think there's just a deficiency in teaching historical um, knowledge to folks about about where the Bible came from, about you know, the identity of Christ about, um, you know, some of even the history um, of, of, of how the fate came about. And I think that would free a lot of people. I think people, when people think about God now, sometimes in the, at least from the Christian perspective, they get so caught up in this, um, you know, or can, is God a God of, you know, inju- you know, of basically injustice, and, and we know he's not. We know the history tells us that. We know the word of God, you know, proves, proves well, you know, proves that, right, in, in so many ways. But also the present history um, around the globe is, is able to attest to the goodness of God. And I think we just have to do a little bit better, uh, in my yeah. opinion. Amen. Amen. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. We, we need to continue to do the job of communicating and helping people to see the, 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 the truths about um, the theological truths, the historical truths. For instance, um, uh, one thing that, that came to my mind is, as you both were talking is a lot of people just assume that Christianity is, is you know, a Western religion, right? It's the oh, religion God, yeah, of, yeah. of Europeans. Uh, yeah. and, uh, um, and that's just not the case. Um, I mean, obviously, the beginnings of Christianity are, are in the Middle East, right? Not in not yeah. in Europe, um, and and many of the most important early church fathers were African, 
mm-hmm. um, Origen and Tertullian, Augustine, Athanasius, yep. they were all from Africa. They weren't, they weren't Europeans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the gospel has, has spread historically in, in, in every direction. I mean, there's a, a church in, in, uh, in India that's been probably from the, from the first or second century, uh, mm-hmm. churches in oh, wow. Africa, Ethiopia and Egypt yep. that, that are, are old, old, old churches, um, well before the Muslims were there. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the gospel has gone to, to China a number of times, uh, mm-hmm. even today. The gospel is growing in Africa and South America and in China in ways that are um, stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and so if we just think that Christianity is well, it's just you know it's just for the 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 the, the Europeans or the the the, the West well the West it's it's just it's just not true. Um, it has been as long associated with the West, of course. You know the the the, the Roman Catholic Church and uh, and and um, and the Protestant Reformation, right? There were European um, institutions, but 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 they 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 go around the world, uh, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. yeah, and just a little history helps to 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 correct that particular perspective as well. Yeah. And I, I, for those who are just, I'm, I'm going to ask Doctor Dr. Yoda about resources for folks um, who are asking, investigating, asking questions, no matter what you believe in right now or looking for. But you know, a wonderful book that I picked up. And I think he's just gonna he's gonna grow, but he's growing a lot in the African American community. And just he has a PhD in this, and and um, he has a book, Dr. Vince Bantu. He has a book called "A Multitudes of People Engaging Ancient Christianity Global Identity," um, and it's a uh, it's a mythological engagement. And so he is fantastic. I mean, he, I've heard him speak multiple times on the Jude podcast, and um, he is. Yeah, he like his goal is to teach people history um, and, and to connect the dots historically, globally for people. And so that's a wonderful book. I haven't started reading it, but the reviews I've heard has been fantastic, just based on even you know what I have heard from him. So yeah, another another book that uh, that's a little bit a little bit older, um, Philip Jenkins uh, mm-hmm. in the book The Next Christendom uh, came out about twenty years ago, and he's updated it, and it mm-hmm. describes the um, it describes the the uh, the growing or revivals, if you want to use that word, um, of the church in the in the in the um, global south in the southern hemisphere. Yes. And he argues that the the uh, in some senses the axis has shifted, mm-hmm. and that yes. instead of the tradition, you know, the, we can't say that that the the ordinary Christian now is a a, a white male, you know, a European, but but in fact it's a uh, you know, an, an African woman or something like that. So that because it because it shifted to the to the south, and that and that that's where the strength lies. And by you know, he's he projects, you know, by maybe twenty forty or twenty fifty, um, these this is where the church is going to be the strongest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this last question, Doctor Yoda, before we we give people resources and 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 so forth. Sure. And so forth. Wait, actually, Grace, I I have one more question. After okay, this. go is ahead. Okay? Go no, ahead. No, 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 I'll I'll go after you because I think. Okay. It's, yeah. Well, this question is about about humans and 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 how I want them to be God. So I mm. heard this. Um, this this is huge, Doctor Yoda. I don't know if you're on social media, but this is, you know, I get to get a glimpse of uh, uh, somebody who who likes Instagram quite a bit, um, just because of all the all the interesting things on there. But 
you know, one guy said to him, so he said, I'm God, you know, I remember mm. interviewing the celebrities and this is becoming a more and more thing. Like he said, I am God, you know, I have control, which is, I mean, in that moment, I knew I could even debunk his argument in so many ways, even just listening to him. But my heart went out to him, actually. I, I, yeah. I had such great empathy um, when I heard him. And, and I knew that was coming out of brokenness. But um, just my question is, why can't human beings be God in themselves? Mm. Well, I, I think that, uh, that <laughs> there's actually a pretty simple answer. And that's that we, we can't solve our problems. Um, we try, uh, we try and, you know, and we do, we do things, we invent technology and we invent cures for diseases and, uh, we form democracies and, and the moment that we think that we're solving our problems, uh, they, they, they blow up and get bigger. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, uh, if we're, if we're relying on, on all of us together to solve our problems, I just don't think it's going to happen. Now that might sound like I'm taking a very pessimistic view of of of, uh, of humanity, and uh, I guess at one level it is. I just don't think that humans by themselves are are really going to going to solve problems. I don't think that we can make the world a better place. I think mm -hmm. the only hope of those sorts of things is some external uh, agent, a god. That mm -hmm. um, that can uh, can really enforce justice. Uh, that can really um, you know take care of the sin problem um, and and all those other sorts of things. Uh, the, the you know the biblical picture is that Jesus is going to come back and that um, and that, that ultimately there's going to be a judgment, um, a new heaven and a new earth, and that uh, that that there's you know that that those that in in rebellion will be punished and those that are uh, faithful to God will will enjoy a new heaven and a new earth in which it will be uh, the world we all desire a world of goodness and uh, um, and and peace mm. and and so I I, uh, I you know the idea that that humans are are God well first of all it means that it puts all the responsibility on our shoulders it means that we have to do all of these sorts of things which I think human history has shown that we we never do successfully. We even the best fail, and mm -hmm. um, and so we we have to uh, recognize that we what we what our our best hope is for a good, powerful, eternal, loving, just God to to fix all of these things. And and uh, and that God is not us. It's something beyond us. Mm. So good. Mm. So good, Dash. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my my last question was just, um, you know, like our, our society continues to change, has changed, um, and you know, we look in the history of apologetics and we see that the the, the questions being asked um, and the the problems that people were struggling with with regards to belief in God um have have changed as well you know there's continuity um but um yeah so how, how do you think the needs um of of our society have changed over time and, and in particular is there anything that you think our current generation particular needs to hear uh, mm. from the church that's a that's a that's a great question 
Um, mm -hmm. Part of me is tempted to say that 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 no, there isn't anything new because the the basic facts of our human existence haven't changed. We are, you know, we are still the the same as we were, made in God's image and fallen. The the problem of sin and the the problem of our inability to solve our problems is is the same. Hmm. And yet, at another level, we we do go through periods of time, and we and and. Uh, and in which there are new issues or new questions or new challenges that rise to the fore and um and part of part of the challenge of our of our contemporary generation is well there are there are new ethical challenges that present itself some mm -hmm. because of technology and some because of just changes in society um mm -hmm. and so people raise questions about well is it okay to to change genders and and you know and things like that Mm -hmm. um that that present new 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 opportunities new new challenges for for the church to speak into mm -hmm. um but i think that i think that um as as our society gets um grows technologically one of the one of the big challenges is the question of of sufficiency we really mm -hmm. seem to think that we can that we can do it all ourselves that we can we can cure our diseases and we can we can invent you know all these different uh things that will will fix our problems and worldwide communication and the the internet with access to all kinds of knowledge and and uh, uh and we can do all these things and we don't need a, a big daddy in the sky this was this was what sigmund freud said and and almost 100 years ago now right freud said we we, you know, we we have science and all these sorts of things, and we don't need, um, you know, a, a heavenly father to take care of us. We're, we're doing it ourselves with science. Hmm. The, the problem hmm. is, is that as our science and technology continues to grow, we're, we're not solving all those problems. You know, the problem of, of war and terrorism and, and hate is, is just as prevalent. And mm -hmm. and um, and we're, we're not as as self-sufficient uh we you know we 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 invented all of this in great technology and we use it to do stupid things we use it to to, to post you know cat videos and to you know and to <laughs> cyber bully each other and and uh you know in video games and fantasy football you know and we we spend we spend all of our time entertaining ourselves we're we're a wow. we're a generation that just wants to entertain ourselves and distract ourselves from the real issues and and so i i think that we we just need to be to be confronted with the, the 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 real questions of philosophy and theology, what is our meaning to life, and and what is what is the best way to live, and and how do we think about about God, and and uh, what what is it all really all about? And in and that gets back to my original thought, which was there isn't really anything anything new. We need we just need to 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 bring the the uh, the well established answers and questions back to the fore. And, uh, and and make them um, apparent and real in people's lives. Yes, I mean, I will say, I was gonna, you know, ask you for more lasting words, but I think you just gave it. I think um, you gave us those lasting words for, for us. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I always say this on the podcast that no matter where you are in your, in your, in your walk, if you're an atheist, um, and and so forth and so on you know we 
continue to welcome your questions and 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 we hope that this these questions that we asked were um, not just centering in one space. Obviously, we have our own uh, positions on this, and and mm-hmm. we, you know we are people of of belief. However, you know um, I, I believe there are some points that were. Um, I love what Dr. Yoda said. You know when he said, uh, you know we can't definitively prove, but right the evidence are pointing in that way, and and our lives and other things that we do have our history. Um, and so, Dr. Yoda, where can people find you? If people want to read your work or, or they just want to talk to you, can they reach out um, to just ask more questions? Uh, you know. Sure. Um, I haven't actually written a lot. I, I um, but, um, sure. but I know I, I, I should. I, 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 uh, I'm too busy with the with teaching, but uh, I, I have I have plans to try to to uh, to write some of these things. But um, you know, my uh, you can contact me through Dallas Theological Seminary and, and find me on their website. Um, and uh, but but I would I I would encourage two things. Um, keep asking questions, right? I told you I love the I love the name of your podcast, Graced with Questions. We need to keep asking questions. Um, I, there are some questions that are that are are uh, are less smart than others, but but generally speaking questions are a good thing and and the hard questions are the ones that we should we should prize and consider uh that's not a that doesn't evidence a lack of faith but a deep interest in the in the profound issues of life and we should all be asking questions and then the other thing i think we should read and 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 uh and and uh, listen to podcasts and talk to people and uh don't just assume that because some celebrity says something or whatever that that's that that's the last word read mm-hmm. deeply read read tim keller read lee strobel read um c.s lewis read uh rebecca mclaughlin and uh um read read the, the you know some of these apologists uh we have we have great resources and um and and read you know read the bible uh because there are there are um there are, I think there are truths. I think there are meaningful, genuine truths that can answer our deepest questions and give us a real purpose in life. And, um, and that's, and that's, that's what we should be after. Ooh, well, uh, guys, I, nothing else to say. Um, we are so honored, um, to have had Dr. Yoda in our midst. Um, to have just shared such great knowledge, but also such great wisdom. Um, and, you know, we are truly privileged, Dr. Yoda. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for, uh, for your good questions and for the invitation. It's been, it's been a pleasure and a privilege to interact with you. It's, uh, it's been fun. Thank you so much. And you guys, as always, please continue to feel free. Um, family, uh, reach out to us um, as you continue to explore your questions. And uh, we are grateful for each one of you guys. And we will see you on the next episode, y'all. Have a blessed one. Okay, cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Graced with Questions is edited by Craig Font, Chi Yang, and Jasmine Jones. Music is also by... Craig Font. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Graced with Questions. 
or you can also head to our website, gracewithquestions.com. We would love to hear from you on every episode. Please feel free to leave us questions on our social media sites. You can also leave us comment um, by sending us an email at gracedwithquestions at gmail.com. Please subscribe, subscribe, share, and make sure to give us a review as well on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, um, wherever you are able to do so. Okay, y'all, cheers. Thank you.